Connecting to the real nerds is so easy. You can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook. We have a Twitter account, at Real Nerds. We also have Instagram. You can call us, 720-6Nerds5. You want to email us? You can do that, too, realnerds at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. This is Marguerite Bennett, a writer of DC's Bombshells for Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2017 and beyond. Log on to denvercomiccon.com to purchase tickets today. Every week on the Real Nerds Podcast, we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. This week we saw Resident Evil, the final chapter. Or is it? <laughs> Who knows? Would they say the final chapter and set up another sequel? Probably. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. Nope. Uh, I'm Ryan. With me is Brad. That's right. That's me. And uh, James is a little under the weather, so he will not be here today. Just a me and Brad show. When's the last time it was just you and me? It's been a long time. Yeah. It's been a really long time. And everyone's probably really excited to hear it. They're like, I man. Know. These two-person shows. Yeah. If they, they're so exciting. <laughs> if they could pick one thing to have happen in their lives, it is to have a two-person Real Nerds podcast. I, I've, I've gotten emails where it's like, you know, I really wish Zach or James would take a break yes. for one week and just let <laughs> Ryan and Brad because if, banter. If there is a recipe for success, it's the Ryan and Brad show. That's right. We're coming to you through the microphone. It's the Ryan and Brad show. <laughs> yep. I left it blank so I could cut it and put it elsewhere in the show. Nice. Yep. Uh, yeah, so we'll also talk about movie news, uh, movies we've been watching, and stuff that's coming out on Blu-ray. Uh, but I'm actually start off something different, because something happened this week that broke my heart. Uh, and I, I know you feel the same way, Brad. Mary Tyler Moore passed away, and, you know, it, it actually got me. Like, And usually they don't, but... I mean, anyone passing away is always sad. And yeah. usually, like, celebrities, we don't know them, mm-hmm. uh, but... In a way, Mary Tyler Moore has been a part of our lives since I was young. Yeah. You know, I I can always remember watching Nick at Night, and I mean, I remember hey, we're trying to memorialize Mary Tyler yeah, Moore. Yeah, respect the yeah. El- elderly dead. Um, it's like a new zombie movie. <laughs> the elderly dead. They're um, so slow, you can run away from yes. them. Uh, but uh, you know, it's funny. I don't remember the first episode of the Dick Van Dyke show i watched but i remember the moment i fell in love with mary tyler moore and it's the episode where she is she keeps on opening rob's mail and i've i don't i remember sitting in my grandfather's basement watching that episode 
and it's still one of my most favorite episodes. And I would say, oh, we should play that for the fans, but you really can't hear anything because it's all just her being physical. But uh, if it's okay with you, I want to play uh, one of my favorite scenes with her. And it's from a season four episode called Coast to Coast Big Mouth. And it's when she goes into Alan Brady's office to explain that it's not bad that he's that people found out that he's bald. Uh, and so I, I just want to play that because I think she's really great in that scene. And uh, here's, here's that scene from the Dick Van Dyke show. Alice? <laughs> there she is. There's the little lady who puts you out of business. Your husband's going to let you take the rap all by yourself, huh? Oh, no, no, Alan. If Rob knew that I was here, he'd kill me. Good, I'll call him. No, Alan. Please. Rob, uh, as you know, Alan, I... You see... When I... Well, it... What? 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 How's your foot? How does it look? Oh. Ooh! Ah! Say, Alan. 
Alan is losing his hair. Would you like that one? Or would you like a crew cut one I had made for the summer? Oh, this one, Mike. Alan, you need a haircut. Huh? Would you like these? What, we, what, what, do, you su- what do you suggest I do with all of these now, huh? Well, uh, there must be some needy bald people. Oh, that was so great. It was. I think her comedic timing in that is so great. Uh, the part where uh, she says, did, did did Rob ever tell you? Did he not tell you? Like, I just love her in that part. And uh, immensely talented lady. And I mean, not only going from the Dick Van Dyke show, but later on in my life, I found the Mary Tyler Moore show. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's absolutely amazing in that, too. I mean, a lot of people point to uh, Shakes the Clown Funeral. Where, yeah, shakes the clown. Yeah. Chuckles the clown. Chuckles the clown, I mean. Chuckles the clown. Uh, shakes the clown's a real one. Chuckles the clown's funeral uh, where she cries and starts laughing. And it is, uh, you know, it's, she is, you know, an icon. And yeah, this one got me. I was like, oh, no. Not not Laura Petri. Yeah. It's weird because uh, yeah, it's actually, su- like, not surprising, but just it's impressive that a lot of those cast members were still alive mm-hmm. like and still are like Dick Van Dyke and Rosemary are still alive. Maury Amsterdam has been gone for a while. Yeah. Um, and Richard Deacon and Carl Reiner is still with us. Yeah. And Carl um, Reiner is still really sharp. If you, uh, yeah. I follow him on Twitter. He, he's always has really funny things to say. And he was, you know, after, uh, Mary passed, they've been posting things. He had a really funny, uh, bit with her, uh, how he cast her in the Dick Van Dyke show. Which is, I think he told that story on the the DVDs too. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it, it's really funny, and so it's it's pretty just, sad. Been here for so long, you, you kind of take for granted that there's always going to be around for us to yeah enjoy, and that's not true. No, do you have a, a favorite Mary Tyler Moore moment? Oh gosh, I mean, across two like long running series, that's <laughs> tough to pick. But um, yeah, I don't know. I actually just watched both those series the end of last year, kind of back to back, and yeah, I, I don't know. There's so many great moments. Yeah, the uh, Zach posted uh, "You Wonderful You," which is also great. I love mountain greenery, uh, just because the thing with uh, Mary Tyler Moore is, yeah, she was a housewife in the Dick Van Dyke Show, uh, but she still held her own comedically, and I thought she just was gold. And then in the Mary Tyler Moore Show, where she just carries the whole show. I mean, uh, aside from Phyllis and Rhoda, like she has to hold her own against like four other male cast exactly. members. Like Ed Asner's great, Ted Knight. Yeah, um, you know, and what's Murray. great about uh, the Mary Tyler Moore show is she's never defined by a relationship with a man. It's, uh, you know, it's who she is, and she's this woman who works in a male-dominated field in news, and it's it, it's it's pretty amazing that she was part of two iconic. TV shows in the 60s and then the 70s. And then when she got done, she was she did tons of charity work. She's a big producer behind the scenes. Uh, she's just a, just, a, just a wonderful lady. And every time you saw her, she was just the nicest lady, you know, when she interviewed. Uh, when I watched special features of her, when she was either talking about the Dick Van Dyke show or the Mary Tyler Moore show, she was just the nicest, sweetest lady. And... Uh, it's a bummer that she passed. I mean, she's still, I think she was 80, right? 81, 80 something. Like that, yeah. So, I mean, she still had a, she lived a long time, but, uh, yeah, it's just part of your childhood. It's like, oh, there it goes. <laughs> and unfortunately we're getting to that point because too, also uh, John Hurt passed away this week. Yeah. I was all prepared to just focus on Mary Tyler Moore. And yeah. 
the last minute. Yeah, it's... Who also had a tremendous career. Oh, yeah. He's one of those actors that... He's like an actor's actor to me. He, you can put him in anything, and he's pretty spectacular in it. You know, whether it was from Harry Potter to Indiana Jones to Alien. Yeah, and he blended in so well. I never, like... Yeah. I was never like, oh, there's John Hurt in a movie. Like, for a long time, it was just like, oh, there's that, like old professory looking guy yeah. it seems like he's been old forever yeah but you know then i watch he, alien i'm like oh yeah he was young yeah because he, he was only 77 when he passed away so yeah it's it's a bummer because you do get to that point you know everyone talked about last year you know all these celebrity deaths but now it's getting to the point where these golden age celebrities are getting up there in age and they're going to start you know passing away and yeah and i think just because we've lived through a time where more people are more famous um that it's gonna just it's gonna seem like like a mass mm. die off, but like really, it's, it's just because you know the access to the information is there, and mm-hmm. uh, just more people are more recognizable and mean something to everybody. So yeah, it's it, it is sweet seeing how much uh, these two actors meant to people because I don't think you know reading about both of them, you you don't remember them doing anything like controversial, um, all kind of just good people and. You know, you really couldn't hang your head on any um, scandals with them. You know, the, you know, I mean, Mary Tyler Moore had a tough life. Her son committed suicide when he was in his 20s. Yeah, and she had diabetes. And she has diabetes. But she, you know, she she did charity work for that stuff. So yep. um, good for her, and uh, she will be missed. And uh, we still got Dick Van Dyke, though. Yep. He, still, he looks amazing for 92. <laughs> and, you know, he's still out there dancing. And he has a, he has a funny book. He He wrote a biography which is a fun little book. And then he wrote a second one called uh, Keep Moving. He talks about how to stay young. And uh, I think he's going to be in the new Mary Poppins movie, He is right? going to be in the new Mary Poppins yeah. movie. So it'll be fun. So, yep, Mary Tyler Moore, I'll miss you. But you know what? I have you on DVD and Blu-ray, so I can always... Uh, you can always, she can I, always I can turn I, your world on with her smile. She, Oh, she can. Yep. <sighs> Mary Tyler Moore. Anyways, what do you want to do first... Uh, we actually got some fan mail this week, so... Hey, we did! Fan mail! Uh, so we got an email from Corinne, and she says, Hope your 2017 is are off to a great start. Good podcast as always. Hey, thanks! I had a question for you guys to contemplate. This is actually a big one. Uh, this weekend I went full on, full in on an argument... Nerd in on an argument with one of my friends about Rogue One. I basically wrote the movie's plot to address some of the issues that I thought it had. For instance, I felt like there are too many characters and it would have been stronger if the Rogue One team knew each other and worked together before the main plot kicked off. That way, their teamwork and friendships were already established. However, I thought the third act was so strong that it essentially kept it the same. So my question to you nerds, if you could rewrite one movie's plot, making minor to somewhat major changes, but still keep at least a third of it identical to the original, which movies would you pick and what would you change about them? Thanks. Hope you have fun seeing Resident Evil or whatever this week. Cheers, Corinne. Uh, that's a really, really broad uh, question. Um, so I was thinking about it, and the one I can think of for me personally the most is uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, where I actually uh, really enjoy two-thirds of that movie. I think. I mean, it was my favorite film from a couple years ago. But if I could change one thing about it is the unnecessary world building and the backstory with his father constantly. You get rid of all that stuff and you keep the basic elements of the story the same. I think it works pretty well. Uh, so that was one movie I could think of reading her 
email that I could think of off the top of my head that I would say, yeah, about a third of it is really great. And then I would just change all the backstory and like world building with that one random guy who they never told you his identity or anything like that. Brad? Uh, yeah, I, that's kind of on the spot. I don't know. Uh, what's the question again? It's like, so what movie would you change about a third of it to make it better for you and leave the other bits of it the same? Hmm. Yeah, I don't... See, I could even take... I, I, one recent, I guess comic movies work the best for me is uh, Suicide Squad, where I liked, mm, yeah, you know, okay. I liked the overall, actually, I liked it more when I watched it again, but, you know, I liked the tone of it, I liked how it was shot, and I thought if they just had a little stronger story, then it would have been better, because um, I would keep about about a third of that movie, I mean, the introduction of the characters is really fun. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would, I, probably the whole just, like, Enchantress plot, I would have, no like, I really it. feel like that movie should have been... Um, the Joker yeah. had some kind of, like, not to get Harley Quinn back, but, like, some kind of other kind of, like, over, overreaching plan, and you kind of figure it out as the Suicide Squad figures it out. Yeah, you know. No, not told it to beginning, like, oh, the Joker, like, has a bomb, and now we have to go in and stop him. It should be mm-hmm. like, we're not sure what he's up to, but we're going to send you guys in. Yeah, um, and I, I think David Ayer actually mentioned that a couple weeks ago, where he said, I, I should have focused a little more on the Joker and maybe... Yeah, because the movie as it is now is like I would say just cut the Joker entirely out of the story and it wouldn't matter. Yeah, um, he's mostly just like uh, trauma flashbacks for Harley Quinn. Like, yeah, they're completely completely waste of time. And I'm trying to think of a older movie. Um, I really can't, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, mine would be Amazing Spider-Man too, because like I said, the the world building is really unnecessary, uh, and uh, maybe that's too why I think the DC stuff doesn't work because when you have characters that are established that well, do you really need a world build around them? I think you can just let them be, you know, yeah. uh, speak with you. Do you see the Batman Clayface Lego set? It's pretty awesome. No, I didn't. It's like Clayface's Legos that you build. And it comes with a little mini Batman figure. It's pretty sick. So it's just a bunch of brown, brown bricks that you just make whatever. Yeah. With? Yeah. And like his, it has his face obviously. Huh. And he has arms and the mace on the, on his hands it's it's pretty cool i saw that today and when i was shopping for my nephew i was like i should get that for him but i want it uh, uh i was thinking about uh i would want to change the original star wars prequels like i i've always felt like the, all three of those movies could have just been one story mm-hmm. uh, for one movie so I'd, I'd probably rewrite that yeah because you know it's funny she brings up rogue one i still think it'd be really cool if they did a darth vader movie where they just sh- where they would show you how badass he is where Rogue One gives you a taste of it, but a whole movie where you kind of see him become the most feared, you know, Sith Lord of all time. Yeah, like I want to know what the Senate, how the Senate reacts when this guy walks in exactly after he's promoted from the Emperor. You know, because there's that whole you know chunk of story where it transitions from that peaceful time in the prequels to the Empire ruling everything, and I think that'd be an interesting story to tell. Uh, but you know. Guess we're stuck with the prequels, which I can I can still watch them and enjoy them. <laughs> you know, there's good stuff in there. Yes. Oh, speaking of which, uh, Sue Dove's Stack a Deck is coming out on Tuesday, so make sure you pick that up. Uh, you'll see an announcement on our website. I'll tweet it out as well. Uh, 
I, I uh, I'll be tweeting it out on the thirtieth, which is that is Monday. Monday. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, what day is that? That's tomorrow. You know how I know that? Hmm. Because we're gonna go around town. We're going around town with bread, bread shaking us around. <laughs> Maybe to the big theater is where we'll see Brad's new movie in 3D. Around town. Going around town to go see Brad's movie. What's going on around town, Brad? So I know that because open screen night is Tuesday, and that's the 31st. That's right. So Tuesday, Thunderbolt 2 is going to screen. Uh, and, of course, there's the regular open screen night lineup of whatever everyone submitted. Um, Zach's movie will be in there. Zach's The After Show will be in there. Um, yeah, five bucks. 7 p.m., the Bug Theater. Are you nervous how Thunderbolt's going to play in 3D on bigger screen, or are you pretty confident that it's going to work? Uh, you know, it's it's like my nervousness is the fact that, you know, we're promoting it's in 3D, and it is in 3D, mm-hmm. but we didn't shoot in 3D. So it's, it's a bunch of, like, post-3D. So it's like every other movie. <laughs> well, most other movies. <laughs> yeah, so you have nothing uh, to worry do they, about. Do they even bother with, like, post anymore? Because, like, I think 3D cameras have been around in... Like in no, no. If you read credits, they still have 3D conversions all the time. Huh. Okay, um, but yeah, it's, it's, so it's it's not going to blow your mind, <laughs> is the thing. And I hope people don't think that they're going to be like, well, no, this I, transcendental I, what, experience. What I think is cool about it is you're kind of going back to how 3D was. You know, you're, you're getting the little cardboard glasses, and Thunderbolt kind of plays to that because it's kind of an 80s yeah. action movie, anyways. So. Yeah, it's it's in the vein of that, yeah. So, so you, I think you're good. I hope people understand that. I'm sure they will, Brad. And uh, I'm proud of you. Thank you. And that should mean the world. <laughs> Are you going to be there? What day is it? Tuesday. Uh, I have to work at midnight, so I probably so won't convenient. Be. What what time does it end at? Uh, probably nine. So you don't uh, have to go. I'm just no, I mean I might be able around. to. Um, but yeah, no. Just say that there's a, a crime being committed at the Buck Theater, and you have to go down and check it out. <laughs> oh, that's what I should do. <laughs> Henry also called in. The art house asshole is Trash Humpers. I love art house movies. You can call me Mr. Asshole. What's up, Ruin This is Henry giving you an update on Art House Asshole. Uh, this week, we reviewed the film Trash Humpers, uh, which is a Harmony Corinne film. Uh, the best way I can describe the film is that it's Imagine the Jackass guys made a film that's about, made some, makes an art house film about being fearful of being a father. That's what I think it's about. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, it is very much an art house film, so you got, I have that going for us. Uh, when it came out, it, was, it wasn't officially released, so it's got that going for it as well. Uh, I was not a fan of it, but I understand that some people are really into Harmony Corinne. So if you're into Harmony Corinne and for some reason I've not seen this film yet, go check it out. Maybe you'll like it. For me, it didn't really tickle my fancy. Uh, though I do think I understand it. I think I will review more Harmony Corinne films, especially more Dogma 95 films. But this one, I don't know if it works for me. Uh, I would much rather watch Spring Breakers again, which I do like for the right reasons, as one of my film school friends would tell me. So, anyway, that's this week's film. Uh... Overall, I, would not, I wouldn't recommend it, but you can read my full thoughts on it on RealEarnersPodcast.com. Uh, but yeah, I hope you guys like whatever film you're seeing this week. I'm pretty sure it's Resident Evil, but I'm not entirely sure. Bye. I didn't read the article. I have no idea what it's about. Um, he said it's like, it's like if Johnny Knoxville made something. Uh, like an okay. art house movie. All right, so I'll never uh, see it. Well, I remember 
Matty O'Connor talking about this because it's a Harmony Korine film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't exactly said, remember why he said he liked it. But I'm sure if you dig deep enough in our old episodes, <laughs> you can find that one where he talks about it. Um, yeah, so. Cool. I'm sure there's an accompanying article to this. There is. You can roll yeah. down to or go to realnerdspodcast.com to uh, check it out. Does anyone say www anymore? Uh, realnerdspodcast? They do, but I mean, if you post it on things, like, yeah, I feel like you're just wasting print space. I think so, too. I'm just curious. I mean, I, I know there are some, like, websites that don't work unless you put it there, but if you know your site works without it, don't put it. Yeah, I... I mean, when you type it, I, when I tap, type things in the uh, taskbar, I never type www. I just type, yeah, you know, whatever it is. Sometimes when I type .com, I just type it and hit enter. Yeah. Also, uh, at the Esquire Theater, uh, the midnight movie this week is Amelie. So nice. That was for a segment ago, but yeah. Hey, we're still there. So yeah. Cool. This is movie news. It's real news. Actually, not too much. Uh, the big thing, obviously, is the Oscars were announced. Mm, that's right. Um, so I'll just go over, you know, the big ones. Uh, and this is from the Oscars website. So I'm not reading this in any particular order. It's just so there's how... no <clears throat> chance of fake news here, right? Exactly. So this is this is official. So actor in a leading role, the nominees are Casey Affleck, Manchester by the Sea, which I know is one of your favorite films of the year. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, Andrew Garfield for Hacksaw Ridge. Ryan Gosling for La La Land. Vigo Mortensen and his cock for Captain Fantastic. And, Do you have to give him like one large Oscar and then like a second <laughs> smaller Oscar? I, I haven't seen be, it. Is it big as small? Um, I don't remember. I remember it's out all the time in Eastern Promises, so I'd have to rewatch that, which I don't own and I don't know if I'll ever own, so I, don't, I can tell you. Hmm. Um, actor in a supporting role, the nominees are Marshala Ali for Moonlight, Jeff Bridges for Hell or High Water, Lucas Hedges for Manchester by the Sea. Dev Patel for Lion. Did I say Denzel Washington for Fences? I don't think I did. So he's also nominated for yeah. actor in a leading role. Uh, and Michael Shannon for Nocturnal Animals. Uh, the actresses in a leading role, the nominees are Isabella Hoopert for L, Ruth Niga for Loving. Natalie Portman for Jackie. Emma Stone for La La Land. And of course, Meryl Streep for Florence Foster Jenkins. Do you they, do people just give it to her all the time? Like, I think that she doesn't maybe earn them every year. I have a theory, but I don't want to diminish the quality work she may have done in that movie. I didn't see. Mm. So, gotcha. Uh, and the actresses in a supporting role: the nominees are Viola Davis for Fences, Naomi Harris for Moonlight, Nicole Kidman for Lion. What is Lion? Which one is that? It got like some nominations. I don't even remember what the movie's about. Yeah, it just came out like a couple weeks ago. Um, I don't know the plot, so. Cool. So I guess we can't judge Nicole Kidman's performance. Let me out of the car, Cole. Let me out of the car. <laughs> but she she seems like one of those people who gets nominated like every time, too. Yeah, she does. Um, uh, Octavia Spencer for Hidden Figures. And Michelle Williams for Manchester by the Sea. Uh, the animated feature film, the nominees are Kubo and the Two Strings. Moana. My Life is a Zucchini, The Red Turtle, and Zootopia. Cinematography is Arrival, La La Land, Lion, Moonlight, and Silence. Costume design, the nominees are Allied, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, Florence Foster Jenkins, 
Jackie and La La Land. Uh, the nominees for directing are Arrival, Denis Villanueva. Villanueva. You know, I said it's Villanueva, and then um, someone else, uh, I think in the, the video that they do to announce these, mm-hmm. they said it not that way. So now I'm really confused. Yeah. I, it might be one of those, like, uh, Chitwell Eljafor, where you're just like, Meh. I guess some people say it one way. <laughs> no, it's it. I'm just going to back off. I mean, to me, it's, it's Denis Villanueva. Because it's V-I-L-L-E-N-E-U-V-E, French, though. Hmm. So, Ville and Eve. Well, it's weird because, uh, the French. Anyways, Hacksaw Ridge, uh, Jamel Gibson, La La Land, Damien Chazelle, Manchester by the Sea, Kenneth Lonergan, and Moonlight, Barry Jenkins. I'm going to skip the documentaries because I don't think any of us saw them. Uh, the film editing is uh, Arrival, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, La La Land, and Moonlight. Uh, makeup and hairstyling is A Man Called Oove, Star Trek Beyond, and Suicide Squad. Right on. Um, music, uh, the original score is Jackie, La La Land, Lion, Moonlight, and Passengers. And original song is Audition, The Fools Who Dream from La La Land, which I, I, is pretty great. Can't Stop the Feeling from Trolls, which is uh, a super popular song. So that one might get it. City of That's Stars. Funny. I never heard it. You haven't? No. I bet you'd know it if you heard it. Because, hmm. I mean, I don't know it by heart, but it, I know it because it's played everywhere. Um, City of Stars, which I I think Audition is the best song from La La Land, but City of Stars is, I think, is the most well-known because it's yeah. in the trailer. And I was actually hoping that the opening song... Um... Another Day in the Sun, because mm-hmm. I think it'd be more fun to watch performed at yeah. the Oscars than the other two. Uh, the Empty Chair from Jim. I don't even know what that is. Good job, movie Jim that I've never heard of. Uh, and How Far I'll Go from Moana. And, of course, uh, the big one is Best Picture. The nominees are Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight. So those are the uh, big... Well, I guess I can do... Do you want me to keep on going? <laughs> no, I'm good. All right. It's just like, I I know people enjoy watching these shows like, mm-hmm. as, from an outsider's perspective, but um, um, to me, it's just an industry party. So no matter how I feel about like who should win or what, um, it doesn't matter because... Uh, like if if whatever wins best picture doesn't necessarily mean it is the best. Yeah, picture you know that's what's that's what I always think is so funny. You know, I mean, I really like the Oscars and I think it's fun seeing movies celebrating because I like movies. But at the same time, it's not really the best picture of the year because if they actually did that and they went off Metacritic or Rotten Tomatoes where they take the critics who think they're the best movies, stuff like Evil Dead would show up on there because it's like ninety four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's is it really the best picture of the year? Mm, that's subjective. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, the big uh, the big one is La La Land with 14 nominations. I think Match Titanic. Yep. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like it's just the people who do that work in those categories decide. You know, other mm-hmm. directors decide who their favorite director of that year is. And... It's fun. It's it's a lot like the Hall of Fame for baseball, where the writers are the ones who vote in the players. 
but the writers are hypocritical because when Barry Bonds is breaking records, all they do is write about Barry Bonds. But now that it comes out that he possibly never been convicted of it, used steroids, now they don't put him in the Hall of Fame. Hmm. Interesting. Still has all those records. Still one of the best baseball players of all time. I don't I don't like him. It doesn't take away from what he did. But that's what that's basically the same thing where people are just determining what they believe is uh, the best movie of the year. Yeah, which is why we're going to. Then that's why we're going to do our <laughs> own Oscars. Uh, called the Nerdies. Called the Nerdies. Not to be confused with the Fantasy Movie League Nerdy. Yeah. Uh, the Nerdies, we picked that name because of the Dundies from The Office. Yeah. And we did it once before and we haven't done it since. So, yeah. So, uh, stay tuned for that. We'll be sending them in. How, are you going to tabulate them all or how are we going to do that? Okay. So, the five of us nerds are going to pick our five from the whole year. It doesn't have to be like the Oscar nominated ones, right? Mm-hmm. Like like you did for Film Explosion, just yeah. pick your five for each category, and then I'll take the like the most crossover. Okay, go ahead. I'll take the most crossovered options like that. So if if a movie gets two, like that is more likely to get into mm-hmm. the final. Oh no, pick your three. Sorry, not five. You can find it. There'll be five for us to vote on among us later, but you can nominate three in each category. Cool. Um, and then I don't know. I, I maybe we should open it up to yeah people in the voting part. Yeah, not the nomination. Part. We'll uh, we'll figure out how to how to do it, and then I'll announce it, and we'll put it out, and we'll have a deadline for it. Yeah, we'll try to do it the same weekend as the Oscars. So yeah, so we have we have about a month, so we'll yeah. be all right. I think the Oscars so. are the twenty fourth. I think they're the twenty fourth. Sure. Um. So yeah, yeah. Stay tuned for that. This is what's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD, but mostly Blu-ray. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Cool. Uh, so actually, it's kind of uh, there's a couple of big releases this week. Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, is coming out. The Steelbook at Best Buy's badass. Yeah, uh, I've seen it. Yeah, I, uh, I'll be picking that one up because it's like he's stand. Have you seen it? He's like standing and looking, and there's an American flag behind him. I'm like, yes. So like the poster. Yeah, it's pretty much the poster, <laughs> but in Steelbook form. Um, Pinocchio, the Walt Disney signature series, is also coming out. Um. For those of you who forgot, Masterminds that came out last year with Zach Galifianakis and Christian Wig is also coming oh, out. Oh, no, I remember sleeping through it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Scream Factory has a couple coming out. They have Poltergeist 2 and 3, which I was never really a big fan of the sequels, but they're putting them out on Collector's Edition. I don't know if I'm going to get them. That's weird. I already, I already thought they put them out, but okay. Uh, and uh, I can't believe I'm remembering this. My kid took my iPad, which I cheat off of. Uh the Vestrin video series, which is basically Scream Factory for like '90s straight to video cassette or very limited run horror films, uh, Parents, which has stars Randy Quaid, and it's a really weird movie. And uh, Layer of the White Worm is coming out, and that's another weird one. I, I have have both of them coming because they're just so bizarre. The movies that I have to uh, I have to watch them, you know, just so weird. Hey, all those people got together for a time in their lives. And that is true. you're doing them a service by not letting their work fade into obscurity. Yeah, see, the thing is, I want to make sure I still get them because I want them to keep on releasing these goofy movies. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do enjoy a lot of them. I don't get all of them, but I get, uh, on those ones, I probably get about 50% of them. And they do a really good job. I mean, they put really cool special features on them. And they're limited editions. And I, the thing I do know about horror film fans is they'll snap them up really quick. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that they take the time to, take a movie like parents and give it a HD transfer and 
put tons of special features on it is really great. So that's good. And I don't remember the rest. My kid took it, but I think that's it for like the big ones. Um, I don't know if you have your phone, you can bring it up and I'll, I'll talk. You'll vamp. Yeah. So uh, I am excited because the, the Vesteron, the one they just announced is the Wishmaster for uh, film collection, which the first Wishmaster is actually pretty cool, but the other ones are mid nineties. You know, what I saw is they're doing another films. Hellraiser set. So it's not the arrow one. Um, hmm. It's some other company, but like, it's like everyone's releasing the same uh, movies. Like, you know, trying to get their piece of the pie. Yeah. It's, it's interesting the, the arrow is a, Sometimes it's because it's, it's a U.K. company, so not all the films they put out actually come over here. For them to make it over here, they have to clear a lot of rights because, you know, movies, They I guess they still do it now, is studios, different studios have the domestic and the foreign releases, so it's sometimes hard for them to bring um over here. Uh, so, yeah, uh, they're doing the same thing with Phantasm. Uh, they're releasing a box set with them. And actually, <laughs> speaking of Hellraiser, I was at Toys R Us today. They have a badass pinhead figure there. It's like 50 bucks. I didn't get it. Yeah. But it's like 12 inches tall, and it has tons. It's like fully articulated. It's pretty awesome. Can if you you're get a the fan. pins out and poke people with them? That'd be sweet. <laughs> Just poke them in the face. Oh, there it goes. I had it up. What um, else we got? I forget. I can't remember. Yeah, you just reminded me I need to pre-order my oh, yeah. 2 and 3. Get your RoboCops in. Yeah. I think those come out in March. Uh, or February, I think it's March. The thing is, like, they haven't announced the special features yet, <laughs> and I don't. I know they're good about doing awesome special features, but I also don't want it to just end up being like a trailer. Uh, they're the collector's editions, so uh, let me uh, let me grab a collector's. You know, edition like I know you. they don't always do robust features. Okay, so the burning. Yeah. So would you say more people saw RoboCop two and three or the burning? RoboCop 2 and 3. Okay, so the special features on that is auto-commentary. Um, so the Blood and Fire Memories is like an hour-long documentary. Theatrical trailer and the more on there, they have like production stills. Um, and so like the RoboCop stuff, because that's a bigger one, so you can take um, know, like Escape from L.A. So when it's like a big movie, they have like two discs worth of them. Okay. I'm telling you, you'll, you won't be sad. Uh, also, like, uh, if you order it from the website... You get it three weeks like, early. Yeah, three weeks early, and they come with posters. Mm-hmm. Um, and the new commissioned artwork's pretty badass. Yeah, I was going to get it off Amazon because it's, like, two bucks cheaper, but for $2, I get two sweet posters. Yeah, I always order Amazon because I don't pay for shipping. Yeah. Um, well, they offered free shipping on mine. Did they? Those, yeah. Maybe because anyway. you bought two I've never bought from them before. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the rest of the release I got it here, uh, Boo... A Medea Halloween. Oh, I can't believe I forgot so about that one. Henry's super excited. Um, and Zach. I'll, I'll incriminate <laughs> Zach on that one. And then some Medea play. I don't know. It's a movie. I don't know. Uh, Baller season one, which is like um, Entourage, but for sports, I guess. Mm-hmm. Are you sure it's not season two? So tiny. Let me... Yeah, think... season two. I thought season one already came out. Sorry. Um, Lilo and Stitch is getting I'm get, probably a bare bones yeah, Blu-ray. I already I already have the Blu-ray. The I have the Blu-ray that came with the second one. Yeah, two. <laughs> uh, there's another volume of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Why are those four. so expensive? Oh, it's a re-release, so it's probably just like a standard DVD case version of Volume Four. But yeah, they're they're expensive. 
But they probably have to pay for the rights for all those that, movies. Yeah, I'm guessing it's the rights to the movies. It's probably was expensive. Um, yeah, that's really about it. Yeah, that's it. That's officially it. Yeah, so yeah, I'm going to Best Buy because, one, for the Jack Reacher Blu-ray, I think the Steelbook's badass, but the Pinocchio uh, Signature Edition. So the the other one, actually, the cover's really nice. It's that white, and it just has Pinocchio and Jiminy Cricket on it. But the Best Buy has, like, the... What do they call them when you move them? Lent, they're not hologram. It's... Lenticular? Lenticular, thank you. Um, and it's just Pinocchio sitting there. It's pretty cute. So that's the one I'll be getting. Because uh, I'm a whore for packaging. And I, it's like... I, and I'm totally double dipping. And I read that the only difference between the one that... Well, it came out 10 years ago on Blu-ray. The one that came out 10 years ago on Blu-ray and this one is they got rid of the games that I never play on the Blu-ray discs for kids. <laughs> and they add like four or five more features to it. So good for them. Hey, Ryan. Hey. What's happening at the Alamo this week? Uh, I don't know. You can probably tell me. Hello. Hi, I'm Kevin Smith. Hi, I'm Leonard Malton. Hi, I'm Mark Hamill. Hi, I'm Elijah Wood. This is Seth Rogen. I'm Chris Vermin's boss. I'm Martin Starr. Welcome to the Alamo Draft Time. Uh, okay, so um, let's see. Monday, there is a movie called Fraud. Not sure what that is. Uh, the Expanse with a live stream Q&A at 6 p.m. on Monday. On Tuesday uh, is Fraud again. So I'm guessing that must be like a new release thing and not special. Mm, I don't know. Um, I've never heard of it. Then uh, Wednesday, Let the Bullets Fly, 7.30 p.m. All right. Not sure what that is. There's a beer dinner on Thursday for Groundhog Day, nice. which is February 2nd, so that makes sense. Um, PBS Kids at the Alamo Valentine's Mix, so I'm guessing a bunch of kids stuff and cereal and whatnot. Friday, February 3rd, there's a movie called Hunter Gatherer, and Saturday, Saturday, February 4th, there's a Coming to America movie party. Cool. Yeah. So, there's a before the movie today, there's a trailer for something called Iced that I think I want to see. For what? A movie called Iced. It's a horror movie. I never heard of it. It's like a VHS horror movie. Nice. So that's pretty cool. But that's not this week. Yeah, I forgot to mention in news, they, they already filmed Saw, the final chapter, or the new the new Saw movie, uh, Saw Legacy. And they wow. and they just, they filmed it and they put out like the cast for it. They're like, yeah, it's done. <laughs> and uh, Must not have a lot of confidence in it. <laughs> That or it's, they're just waiting for her Halloween. And then uh, the new Friday the 13th starts filming next month. Uh, well, with the Mar- in March. Uh, they I was reading on uh, Bloody Disgusting that they uh, started putting out cast members or casting information. And it's filming down in Georgia where part six was filmed. And they're looking for twin twin boys to play young Jason. Hmm. So uh, <laughs> there's speculation, which actually I think would be an interesting story twist to it, is... Uh, I mean, I'm guessing they're hiring twins because of the work schedule, but they're saying, wouldn't it, would it be cool if there was actually two Voorhees kids? And the reason uh, that Jason did die in drowning, but his brother like took his name and like grew up and stalked the woods and killed people and took his name. Like that's actually kind of a clever little idea. So yeah, yeah. That, it wasn't until I was watching like the the documentaries. Uh, was it the, like Memories of Crystal Lake? Mm-hmm. I was like, how come no one's ever like insinuated that Pamela Voorhees had more than one kid. Like, yeah. Um, I think it's an interesting idea. I mean, I don't think that's what it is. I'm guessing it's because, you know, they don't let kids work. 
but you never know because the writer of it wrote Prisoners, so he's like a real screenwriter. Um, so we'll see. You know, I'm excited that they finally are casting it and they have a schedule for shooting it because that movie seems to be kept on getting pushed back and back and back. Because originally they were going to do a found footage Friday the 13th, which wouldn't work at all. Because mm-hmm. the way the movie, the structure of Friday the 13th, I don't think lends itself to found footage. Because I want to see Jason. I don't want him to be like, well, who's that? And then, you know, people run away. Yeah. Like every fucking found footage film. What was that? Hello? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> this is the stuff we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. What'd you watch this week, Brad? Uh, I've been, I've still been watching Deep Space Nine. Um, the only thing I watched was uh, Death Race 2050. Did you really? That seems awful. Oh, uh, let me revise. I watched 10 minutes of Death oh, Race okay. 2050. <laughs> um... Yeah, um, I did not. I obviously I didn't watch the rest of it. Is that already streaming on Netflix? There's no way you paid for it, right? Yeah, no. It's, okay, it's free on Netflix, <laughs> and I was like, you know, I was, I was looking for something where I didn't have to like. I was yeah, like, no, I I'll give it a shot, but I don't have to focus on it too yeah. much. And boy, did I not have to focus on it. I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like I gave it a good shot. But... And you're like, man, even though I streamed it, I want my money back. <laughs> Almost. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just the the I, I get it's a Corman movie, so it's not going to be like. But you still expect Amazing some sort of, of a, competence to it, right? Yeah, but it's just like it's like this movie that's trying to make all these statements about like the uh, culture today and stuff, but portrayed with like just like shitty characters and like bad green screen. Like Malcolm McDowell's in it, and he looks like Andy Warhol, who's a, as a president of the Hunger Games. <laughs> um, like I knew it was like in trouble as soon as the movie starts, where they're like in this CGI stadium with like duplicated crowds, uh. and he's like a hologram. Like a poorly composited hologram floating over, like the outside of the Colosseum. And see, that bugs me when I watch a movie and I can pick out people in the crowd that are populated throughout the crowd. You know what I mean? I didn't like recognize their faces. I just uh, like I, I tell from the like, oh the, how it's cut, the movements, like mm. the character. Yeah, uh, you just know they're like they filmed one side of a stadium and then yeah, just multiply it, which <laughs> they do in like the the Dark Knight Rises and stuff. Yeah, but, but secrets better. Do. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, and there's. It looks like that '90s colorization where, like, the stadium, like, the compositing of the stadium looks natural, but the sky is altered to like more pink and like apocalyptic. Mm. And then uh, Malcolm McDowell, it doesn't even have like a, you know, like a "Help Me Obi Wan" hologram filter. Mm-hmm. It's like straight up him, <laughs> like a cutout. So basically, they hired Malcolm McDowell in like some warehouse and like just say these lines. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna no, no, put... we'll come to you, Malcolm. Yeah, we're gonna gonna posit you in later. We're gonna set up a green sheet in your house, and all you gotta do is sit there. Um, yeah, and it's, it starts out right away, like right into the race. Like as soon as the movie starts, it's like one, two, three, go. And then they kind of profile all the different racers and, you know, there's the one guy Frankenstein, but I think it was done way better in the, the Statham death race. Mm -hmm. Um, and he takes his mask off right away in this one. Weird. Like, isn't like the part of Frankenstein you don't know who he is? Yeah. That's the cool thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they give him away right away. And then I don't know. There's just like weird kind of reductive characters uh like a bunch of stereotypes and stuff there's this weird thing that there's one of the cars is uh kind of sentient and his everyone like has a racer and a co-racer mm-hmm. and the sentient car's co-racer is this woman and like the car can give her orgasms so she's just like riding along and the car's like <laughs> okay. eating her out yeah it's it's hard to explain without watching but 
Um, I'm going to be honest, Brad. I'm probably never going to watch that movie. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> we can stop right here. I'm certainly done wasting my time with this. Um, yeah, I was just like, I don't. There's no. I don't care what happens to the rest of the yeah, movie. I'm done. You know, sometimes you want to see a movie that's so dumb. You know, it's fun to watch. But if they're not fun to watch, then you just it's just painful. Yeah, there's like no clever sequences. It's just you know a lot of and all the racing, like the people in the cars. It's like the classic car in front of like a rear projection mm. it looks like it like that um yeah i don't know and they travel through all these cgi wastelands and stuff and like one minute they're in New and you York, only watched 10 minutes of it seems like you watched more yeah there's a lot going on <laughs> maybe i watched 20 minutes of it i don't know but i didn't finish it that's for sure i did not care so that's it for me cool you know i realized i actually kind of watched a lot this week i i uh I revisited all the Resident Evil movies. Um, Ooh, you did it, huh? I did. Well, it's funny because, again, the, so the first one is like an hour and 50 minutes long. And then each subsequent one is maybe an hour and 25 minutes. They're not that long. Um, didn't they release re-release the first one with like an extended edition? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I, they might have. I missed it. I, I, it's one of the first Blu-rays I got was the original trilogy of Resident Evil. Uh and I still think the first one actually works pretty well as a horror film. Um, I, I watching it now because it came out in two thousand two. It, it suffers from that Matrix like uh, hard rock soundtrack. That's the one thing I didn't like about. It. I didn't like the soundtrack. Now that I watch it again, I mean the creature effects are fine, and it's more of a zombie movie, so it's kind of cool um, with some sci fi elements thrown into it. And you know I have to deal with Michelle Rodriguez, which is always really uh, a trek. And uh, so I, I actually, I think the first one's pretty good. Uh, the second one, not so much. Uh, they took a character from the series that everybody loved, the nemesis, and he looks all right in it, but you know, whatever the third one, I think still the best resident evil movie. Um, it's the one where she's going across the desert and there's all those like crows and stuff. I think it's pretty sweet. I think I remember that one being fun. Um, the fourth one, it kind of is when, uh, Paul W. S. Anderson returns and he kind of, uh, takes it more like bonkers with the clones Wait, so two and three with someone else yeah oh, i thought he did them all uh he's a producer on him he might have wrote the scripts but i know he didn't direct them um and so he comes back for four and that one's okay too uh four is more just like five so four is the one that's on the prison and then five is the one where they're uh like going from like gaming world i call it game world one where they just basically go from one set piece to the next for no uh, apparent reason and no coherent story. Uh, I still think they look cool. I still think he shoots really cool, but I mean, they're they're really devoid of any characters or real like plot, you know. And even uh, when we get to the new one, they uh, they always start. My name is Alice, and they tell you a story about what's happened previously because you don't realize until you watch. Literally, the, I mean, I watched them back to back to back to back to back, not in one sitting, but. That's all I watched for, like, my movies at that time. So you realize how convoluted and dense the story is that they have to have that exp- explained to you before every film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a really unique thing. Uh, I, they're still, I, I think why they're popular is, besides how popular the games are, is I think they have, I still think Mila Hovovich is still uh, an interesting character. And I think she, you know, she does good at the kick-ass kind of female role. And it has enough iconic moments in it, I think, what makes them overcome all that. I mean, like, the fourth one isn't that great, 
but they had that sweet scene with the executioner where he comes through the floor in the like the bathroom and it's like the water's coming down and they're like dodging his huge axe and it, it looks cool and i think that's why they succeed so much is they have enough of that in each of their films where you're like okay i can you know turn my brain off and watch these um so yeah it was fun watching those um my little boy is really starting to like cartoons now and movies so i put in wally for him i haven't seen wally in so long and i forgot that is maybe the most maybe the most charming movie pixar's ever made um it's my favorite i mean they do things with saying wally and eve that's all they say and their emotions are so real uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I cried watching it when, uh, she puts Wally together and she's, and she realizes that maybe his computer's all messed up and he's not the same Wally and, you know, just her holding her little hand up and he doesn't like close his hand. I, it's, it's heartbreaking, but at the same time, there's so many beautiful scenes where he's going through space and he puts his hand through Saturn's rings and the movie is amazing and it's still gorgeous when did that come out 10 years ago 2008 yeah it's so almost 10 years ago and it's still amazing um even everything about that movie just works for me and it's i love that film and i mean i loved it in 2008 and i love it now because i haven't seen it maybe in a couple i don't know the last time i watched it two or three years yeah. and you forget the little details throughout the film and how well and how intricate everything is that first half is just like oh, it's, it's isolated. I think it's some of the so best great. work they've ever done. Yeah, I, I I get the criticism that it's it seems like a little more goofy when you know the humans come into it and all the floating like cupcake in a cup like consumerism stuff happens. Yeah, but... I, I get it, but it's but to me, you st- I think you need that arc because it's they're they're telling you that you know you have to rebuild. You can't just be lazy and. Um, I don't know. I, I liked it. And I mean, yeah. that, that part right. never, never bothered me. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a cute movie. Even, I mean, I forgot the little cleanup robot guy. He's really funny. Um, following Wally around because he's contaminating everything. Uh, it's funny stuff. So yeah, I, I, man, I just fell in love with that movie again. And, you know, when you take a break from a movie you liked and you see it again for the first time in a couple of years, it, it's just stunning. And, and, and uh, on Blu-ray is Man, it, what the work they did in 2008 and other companies can't even do now. I mean, mm-hmm. Pixar's level of detail. Um, I think the lost art in Pixar's are cinematography because when you watch The Sings or The Minions or Despicable Means, while I enjoy some of those movies, they just don't quite look the same. Where Pixar's have kind of this film quality to them that can't be replicated on the dvd special features they talk about how for wally they rewrote the programming for the pixar rendering engine mm. so all the stuff up to then they like the software just kind of rendered mm-hmm. uh, all their like the camera didn't function the same and so for wally they wrote new code that made the camera and everything more like a cinema camera mm. so that's why it looks so much better yeah i mean it, it's stunning on blu-ray um yeah, so that that was really really fun to watch. Uh, I watched an HBO documentary called "Beware the Slender Man," which is I, I don't know if you remember the story. Uh, I think it was two thousand and fourteen. Yeah, I think it's two thousand fourteen. Uh, these two twelve uh, year old girls stabbed their classmate nineteen times because they said they did it for the Slender Man. And the Slender Man, if, for people who don't know, is an internet meme that started in two thousand nine. 
about a guy who basically would Photoshop this boogeyman looking guy into the into pictures. And the story behind him is, is he comes and takes your children and these little girls tried to kill their friend because they wanted to go live with Slender Man in his mansion. And so they wanted to become proxies for the Slender Man. And it's a really interesting documentary about um, which the way the documentary starts is how maybe the internet plays a role into influencing children's beliefs and their actions. And as the, the story unfolds, cause it's an interesting documentary. So they take, it starts off with, uh, the little the little girl who was stabbed actually lived, so that's good. But it starts with that, and starts with the police interviewing these girls at the beginning, and they come across as these innocent girls. You're like, oh, I mean, what would drive him to do that? And then it cuts to the uh, basically the history of Slender Man, how he became this internet sensation. He was created in 2009 by this one guy, and how there's a website that I've never heard of called Creepy Pasta, where people just it's like fan fiction. They just contribute to uh, the Slender Man story and other urban myths. And then the documentary takes this weird, well, it's not weird, it takes a real turn and it's really heartbreaking because the police are interviewing these girls and what's th- the terrifying thing about it is they don't have remorse for what they did. And as it delves farther and farther into the documentary, it's really great how they made it is they just give you little like snippets of their interview and then they play a little bit more with their family. So the documentary follows the family of the two girls that stabbed their classmate and what they go through. And as a story starts unfolding, um, it deals a lot with uh, mental illness and schizophrenia and how scary it can be. And uh, it, it's a really powerful documentary. And then when the girls, describe what they did to the their classmate is is horrific um it, it's you know you, you and throughout the whole thing they're saying oh you know we hope they're not tried as adults you know because when you're tried as an adult you can spend your life in prison or you can be executed i don't know if they have execution in um i think it's wisconsin i don't remember the state but anyways so but when you hear these girls talk about what they did to their classmate the only thing they can do is charge them as adults because it's so premeditated where they, <laughs> do you have your food over there, buddy? Where they talk about how they lured their class, this girl into the bathroom and they're going to kill her in a bathroom at uh, this park because there's a drain in there and all her blood would go down the drain. And then there's like, Oh no. Then we took her to this woods and we're going to play hide and seek with her and how, um, the one girl told the other girl to just do it. And so the other girl sat on her like arms and she's like, and she leaned over and was like, I'm sorry, I'm going to do this. And she stabbed her 19 times. And it's, it's a horrific story. It's, it's really sad, but it's a really powerful documentary. I think everybody should watch it. Uh, it's on HBO. It's called beware the slender man. And uh, it's really fascinating. And cause they also get, you know, mythologists on there and psychologists and um, they just talk about humans minds and how they can be manipulated uh, and especially now in the internet when everything's so accessible and if you're, if you suffer from like one of the girls did from schizophrenia, you might start believing what you're reading. If you have no one, you have no way to medicate it or no way to control it. So, uh, it, it's pretty interesting. Um, so yeah, if you have HBO, I would definitely check it out. Uh, it, it plays, uh, it's, it's kind of a sad story. 
Uh, and the, uh, the last thing I watched is I, I got my Yoga Hosers Blu-ray. Um, actually, I don't think it's that bad. I uh, Maybe because my expectations were so tapered uh, by everything you guys said about it. But I watched it. I mean, I laughed at some parts. It, it's pretty harmless. It's a pretty uh, light piece. Um, if I had one complaint about it, it doesn't feel like a Kevin Smith movie. It doesn't have yeah. his. It doesn't have his voice in it. Um, but there are some parts in it that I think are really funny. I, I think the part where uh, they keep on putting up a sign why they can't help people is really funny. And then when they do, you know, they're sorry about that. I think's really good. Um, I love the flashback scene with Adam. I think it's Adam Brody, who's a drummer in their band, and uh, they're like bossing him around. He's like, "If I had tattoos, you wouldn't say this to me." And then it's funny because at the beginning of the movie, he's like loaded with tattoos <laughs> and he's trying to get these Colleen's to like really like him. Okay, buddy. And yeah, uh, yeah so I, I didn't have a problem with it. And I, I thought it was kind of just like a fun little movie. Uh, but like I said, I think the biggest issue, it doesn't feel like it has Kevin Smith's voice in it. Yeah. Uh, where even something like Tusk, where it kind of fell apart at the end, you still had those great scenes with Justin Long and Michael Parks, which I felt like it was a Kevin Smith movie. Um, this really didn't have those moments in it. Um, yeah, I didn't hate it as much as James or maybe even Zach, but like, it's not great. But it's I didn't think it was awful. It's just uh, there's parts where they, it seems like they set up a bunch of characters in the mm-hmm. beginning. The whole like vital stats, you know, Scott Pilgrim style. Yeah. But then those people don't pay off later. Yeah, and then the Bratsies are just terribly composited. Yeah, you know, they don't look at parts. They don't look too bad. I think when they look bad is when they get crushed. And I guess it's supposed to be sauerkraut, yeah. but it just looks like bright yellow, like piss, piss, <laughs> but looks like that jagged, like uh, bad pixelated. Yeah. I think there's one where they're like, there's a, a brazi like hanging off a hockey stick and like the legs are going a separate way, but Kevin Smith's torso is yeah where it's supposed to be. It's just, yeah. Stuff like that just makes, just makes it feel cheap. Yeah, it does. I mean, there's still some funny parts in it. And like I said, I think, I think the two girls in it are really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't have an issue with the two girls. Um, you know, cause everyone said, you know, it's a vanity project for his daughter, but I think his daughter did pretty good in it. Um, yeah. I, I, and Johnny Depp, I mean, I don't think his character is that funny. So it, yeah. it's, it, he's just like, oh, I'm some French, French Canadian guy. The whole mole thing, like, like changing spots mm-hmm. on his face was funny for like the first two frames, but then it goes on for like the rest of the movie. Yeah. It only got funny again at the end when he started just getting a bunch of moles on his face. And I thought it was funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, and I laughed at when he had like a scrotum drawn on his face. Yeah. I forget the name of the book, uh, but that was pretty funny too. Uh, so yeah, I, I thought it was a cute movie. I don't think it, it's as bad as everyone says it is. Um, I mean, I'll watch it again and I'll see if I can find more jokes, but yeah, <laughs> it just needs more, um, I want him to make a Kevin Smith movie, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Or maybe Moose Jaws will be that. Well, Jay and Silent Bob are going to be in it, so. Yeah. Close enough, I guess. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't really made, like, a traditional Kevin Smith movie since. Clerks 2? Yeah. Clerks. No. Sack and Mary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, Red State. Well, I like Red State a lot, so. Yeah. But that wasn't, like, that was him trying other things. Mm-hmm. Um, it was good, but it wasn't, like, I would. That and Tusk, I wouldn't say like are like kind. Yeah, I get. Yeah, what I know him for, um, yeah, or what I like about what he does. Yeah, you know, that, I guess as the disappointing thing is, I mean, it's basically clerks with women in it. You can yeah. explore that a little more. Canadian women, yeah, yeah. Cool. So that's what I watched. 
So this week we saw Resident Evil, the final chapter. Brad, should people see Resident Evil, the final chapter? You know what? This actually wasn't that bad for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't really remember much of the, any of the other movies. Like, you know, I'd watch them and forget them. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you're not, like, a fan of this, I, I don't think you should bother. Like, it's not going to suddenly turn you into a fan. Um, but if you are a fan, I think it's it, I think it wraps things up pretty nicely. Um, uh, the beginning, like, there's a lot of good action in it, I thought. Um, a little too crazy uh, of editing. A lot of times I was like, what the hell's going on? But... Like the action is creative and interesting, um, and the story is pretty pretty coherent. Unlike Underworld, where I was just completely lost all the time. Um, so I'd say, like, if you're a fan, go ahead and check out the last installment. Well, we'll see. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm in the same boat. I'm actually a fan of the series, and I think this is the strongest one since the third one, because even the beginning uh, has a lot of backstory that hasn't been in any of the other movies. Uh, talking about the um, Alicia. I forget her last name. Masters, um, the, the little girl, yeah, and her dad. That was, it hasn't been any other Resident Evils, so it actually gave backstory to the previous ones that I think was really missing. Um, the story is way more co- more co- coherent than any of the other ones besides the first one, um, and yeah, the action's cool in it. I mean, I think uh, it kind of has like a Mad Max vibe to it. You know, they're, <laughs> they have people yeah. running behind tanks with zombies following them. Yeah. Which is so over the top. But, I mean, it works because the world they've set up is so gregarious and doesn't matter anyways. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I I think the the breakout success of The Walking Dead has kind of hel- helped this movie refocus on the zombie part and not like the crazy over the top um, monsters. Which look fine. I mean, they're in the movie, but... Um, yeah, I was going to say, there's a huge sequence about that in it. Yeah, but at the same time, it's not as distracting as in the other ones. Um, but yeah, I think you're right, too. I think uh, the action's great. There is some problem with the editing. It's like, you don't need to cut so much in a rated R movie. Yeah. Um, and I think if they just let the scenes breathe a little more. But yeah, I had fun watching it. And I, I yeah, I think if, you wanna, if you've seen the movie and you want to see it wrapped up and... Uh, yeah, I think you should go see it. Uh, here's a trailer for Resident Evil, the final chapter. I can't remember much before all this started. Sometimes I feel like this has been my whole life. Running. city there was an outbreak it spread across the world within days one way or another our world is coming to an end the question is will we end with it umbrella developed an airborne antivirus it would destroy the t-virus I have no reason to believe a word you say. True, but I can offer you something you want very much. What is that? Revenge. We can bend all this. 
have to get to the hive. We go together. What are we gonna do? We're gonna kill every last one of them. Grab some gear. This is what I do. We played a long game, you and I, but now it's over. is alice if you if you didn't know yeah that's i, I right away I, uh the whole expositional beginning like really like i just sat through this for underworld like yeah like I, I get it helps me get caught up with where we're at but at the same time like i'd rather just figure out as we go not yeah. like all in one big chunk yeah because even then i mean the movie picks up right after the last one but it really doesn't no because the last film is she's on top of the white house and, and wesker's there yeah and they're all like defending so there's Not a huge fun. gap of her coming out of somewhere and uh, fighting that that winged. I thought winged monster was actually kind of cool. Um, you know, I don't know. There's uh, they did have weird character choice. Like, why would you drink water out of <laughs> the National Mall? Yeah, you know that was weird. I, I, I guess just setting up a scare. Uh, but that zombie was cool, popping out of the water in, in a world where viruses are like exactly thing. like yeah, I'm just gonna drink out of this polluted fountain. <laughs> yeah. The National Mall in Washington, D.C., where there's a huge fight with zombies and monsters. This can't be anything yeah. bad in this standing still water. And I I didn't figure out until halfway through the movie, I was reminded that she has the T-virus in her. Yes. And so I guess she something like that wouldn't affect her. So Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, it, it's cool. And, you know, they, uh, they finally, like, I think where this movie succeeds, too, is Instead of focusing so much on the other characters, they just refocus back on Alice. Yeah, all the other characters are pretty much fodder, even yeah. like uh, Claire. Yeah, is... I mean, you could put anybody in that role, and who yeah. cares, you know? Well, it's weird because she has been like a, a sort of vital character too. Oh yeah, series, but she doesn't really get her due. Yeah, in this. Um... But there, I mean, there's really cool sequence. I, I think, I think it's really cool the the zombies following the tanks, you know, with people running behind them because it gives it a cool scope of how many zombies there are in the world, and. Uh, you know, if it wasn't for that quick editing, that scene where they're fighting all the zombies is pretty sweet. Uh, I, I thought it looked cool when they were dumping the gasoline and lighting it mm-hmm. on fire. That's uh, such, like the dumbest strategy. Like it is plan. Like let's stay at the top of this crumbling tower <laughs> and then like just launch stuff off at it. They have rockets, so they could just blow the legs yeah. out in front of the tower and kill us all. Yeah, I mean, there's some weird character choices. You know, the the survivor that's running towards them, like quick, open oh, the yeah. gate. Who cares? Fuck her. <laughs> you know, seriously, I don't know her. <laughs> fucker uh you know you know my one complaint about the resident evil movies is they never really show zombies eating people like they always get caught but you never see them like rip people apart or anything it's always they never show it you know, have they all been rated r yeah they're all rated r i don't huh. know why they just that's the one thing i don't think they push hard enough um but again i, I think the movie is fun um you know it's Again, some of it doesn't make sense. She needs that dude's hand to start his motorcycle because he can only read his 
like prints or well, something. Well, you need like a company man. Yeah, I get it, yeah. but it's like, all right, guess that's happening. Yeah, and she gets knocked out a lot, and yet, mm-hmm. um, if she like usually when you're awake, you're like there's like onslaught of zombies, but she f- gets knocked out three or four times in the movie, and luckily there's never any zombies yep. around to like pick her apart. Well, that's funny. Uh, I saw it with my brother, and he said he actually said a funny thing. So. After they pour the gasoline down, they catch all those zombies on fire, and then she runs out to one of those tanks. And you say, wait a minute, where did all the zombies go? Yeah. I mean, they set up, there's like thousands of them coming, and they definitely didn't kill them all. And then they all just show up again. Yeah. Well, there's a couple off to the sides, because I think she fights that one back the tank. Yeah, but you'd expect to be like hundreds of them still around. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I mean, again, I think think Paul W. Anderson actually shoots pretty cool. Yeah. I, I, he has cool ideas, and it, the compositing wasn't as bad as like the trailer. No, seemed, no, like. th- they definitely cleaned it up. Yeah. Uh, I did laugh though when so when they get to the hive and they're crawling and the lights come on and they all get like trapped into separate rooms. I'm like, this is like his biggest thing for Paul W. S. Anderson is like I'm going to yeah. separate them through intricate puzzles <laughs> and um, barely puzzles. Yeah, well, that too, you know that. That's where the editing kind of gets annoying too, because I mean, you want to see the monsters, and in that scene where she falls down and she's fighting it in that, I think actually really cool set designed room with like the bodies hanging and mm-hmm. like you never really got a good look at the monster because it's like so quickly edited, and I couldn't tell. It looked like half the time it was practical and the other half it was CG, but I don't know. And yeah. was it attracted to lights? I don't know. It was cut <laughs> too fast. Yeah, um, it's always frustrating for me when like they do that cliche thing of you hear like a can get kicked off and the kicked around yeah 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 yeah. but this giant hulking beast of a creature (laughs) is completely silent other than that until it shows up like right in your face like this movie is so full of jump scares yeah that's so that's frustrating yeah you know but the monster was cool yeah the monster's cool like i said the movie's pretty fun i I, what i liked about it it knew what it was it didn't try to you know be anything else besides a resident evil movie and uh I guess there's kind of a twist at the end. Yeah, uh, like, yeah. No, I think the twist is pretty interesting because... Well, I saw it in the boardroom. Like, yeah, we're back to the camera, but I can recognize the voice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because, you know, I since I did go back and watch them all, you, yeah, Alice really just shows up in the movies. Um, they never tell you her backstory. Uh, and, and in this movie, you find out that she's a clone of the daughter of, the, like, the good guy founder of Umbrella. and uh, And I think the idea of releasing the apocalypse to save rich people is a kind of a cool idea. It's uh, not far-fetched. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, I think it's cool, and it kind of adds weight to the other Resident Evil movies. So I thought they are kind of clever in going back and exploring that. Is and that not a thing in the games? No. No, these have nothing to do with the game. They take the names. Like, right. the names are from... Alice isn't in the games at all. But the but, whole Umbrella Corporation, like, like trying to help rich people over everyone else? Like, no, like, thing. the original... The Umbrella Corporation is just a pharmaceutical company that's ran by this eccentric family and it kind of just spirals out of control from there. It's funny, like I put that together in my head before this movie. (laughs) Yeah. I guess I just kind of assumed. Uh, Yeah, it's, uh, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, I had fun. I mean, uh, there's some shots I thought were really cool and, uh, you know, the ending where it's this airborne virus that can cure everything it seems a little hokey, but it still, I thought it looked cool when she broke and all the zombies started, like, falling dead. Yeah. Um, but then, like, before that, like, she waits, like, she finally has it, mm-hmm. 
and she like waits a few seconds to like to let something bad happen yeah um and then what's his name the scientist guy like he's just suddenly there like yeah. she runs all the way, like she has to go all the way back to the top run out into the like crater or whatever yeah and he's just he's rebooting um <laughs> yeah. apparently he just walks past claire yep no, like what no happened worries. to her yeah that's what i mean it's it's did like, she did die? Her? Did she die at the end? She was. Oh, she, that she was out there at the end. But when uh, Alice runs out with the, that's right. She stops to say, "Claire, like she's like, no, go." Yeah, because didn't she blow that up too with all the dudes in it? Like all the rich people got blown up. So how did Claire get out? I don't know. I, I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. I thought it was uh, again. You have to turn off your brain. It's still fun because I, I thought it was funny too because uh, the movie was going by so fast. Like on her countdown on her watch, I'm like holy shit! But like the last thirty minutes, it seemed like it was like. 37 minutes there's like 29 you're like <laughs> and then at the end it started speeding up again you're like wow this doesn't seem like it's at all possible in the realm of time they're doing stuff uh but yeah it was fun there's also that part where the cerberuses chase them into the crater mm-hmm. and like some of them like jump in with them i'm like this is like the worst plan you guys they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna catch you and then they like took an extra shot to explain like because the dogs have they're basically bones. Yeah. So they have, like, nothing to float with. They just, yeah. like, they're, they're gnawing at the water. Like, yeah. trying to... But then I was like, they come out of the water at the end, and they don't continue running. Like, yeah. once those dogs get to the ground, they're going to run up through the water and get you anyway. So you need to keep going. <laughs> yep. But one guy paid for that mistake. He did. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Like I said, I had fun watching it. Yeah, it's fun. Um, it's about everything I expected and yeah. not much worse. Yeah, I, I thought it. I thought it was better than Underworld, and I mean, I like yeah. the Underworld movies too. But uh, this one, uh, you know, the big difference is it felt like the characters were kept on fighting. Where in Underworld, like I said, the ending they're saying, oh, "Okay, well, Selena's back. I guess we're not going to fight anymore." Yeah, the werewolves are just going to let them walk out the door. See you later. Yeah, we'll be back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but this one, they fought to the end, and the monsters didn't have consciences, and it's it's fun. What are we yeah. seeing next week? Oh, shoot. I don't even remember. What is coming out? I'll look it up. Just keep talking about stuff. Uh, yeah, this is uh, Mickey and the Roadster Racers. It's the brand new Disney Junior show. Um, it's about race cars and Mickey and Goofy and Donald. They have to solve problems. You know, we don't have a movie marked for this week. I know Rings is coming out is the big one. Let's see. Box office mojo. I think the week after next weekend is Lego movie, right? Yep. That one looks fun. Um, okay. Yeah, Rings, The Space Between Us, or I Am Not Your Negro. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'd see Rings, but I don't know if anybody else wants to see it. I like the first one. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess... <laughs> I mean, there's another, nothing else. Um. Yep, rings. Yep, rings. It is <laughs> called rings. So I, I, if there's anything art house, I'll bring it up midweek. But yeah, um, so yeah. I guess we'll call it TBD. TBD, and then yeah, the week after that's well, it's Lego Movie, but John Wick Two also comes out, so we'll see John Wick on the following week probably. Hey, why do they put John Wick out this week? I know, right? We should be seeing John Wick. Maybe we'll get an early screen. Who's in charge of releasing movies? Totally. And then, yeah, February 17th has the Cure for Wellness, Fist Fight, and The Great Wall. And then 24th is Get Out. Yeah. So we'll, we'll and then we're in March, and then we got Logan. 
I know. I have to miss that week, so that oh, sucks. bummer. Cool. Well, thanks for listening. Yep. See you at the theater. Real Nerds is a Nebulous Visions multimedia production. We would also like to thank Sparks Mandrill for our music. Additional music from Ben Sounds. Thank you to Alamo Drafthouse. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. And thank you for listening to the Real Nerds podcast.